Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. You're very welcome back. Tom Dunn standing in for Sean today. 5316 for your text. And Joanna Fortune has joined us for the parenting slot. As usual, Joanna, I could throw these away and just ask just you questions from my experience, <laughs> from the things that are going on in my life. That'd be quite the show. Actually, I won't be able <laughs> yeah. to do that. <laughs> They'd give out to me. Um, so let's get straight into it. This is... Um, this is, I think they're all kind of, there's a heaviness yeah, to there is. A, a lot of yeah. these today. So we start with this. Um, our five-year-old daughter is a very happy and contented child. She has no surviving siblings and will most likely remain an only child. She has good friends and most of those have brothers and sisters. It seems unusual to be an only child in Ireland. So she's surrounded by friends and families with siblings. Every so often she expresses her wishes for usually a little sister and occasionally it can upset her and make her sad. We explain that all families are different and that there is a very small chance that she may have a sibling. We enable her to express her emotions and feelings and listen to her thoughts. We think that this is the right approach. She often makes up games with us where her teddies stand in for her little sister. Usually we play along with her scenarios. She also plays these games with her friends where there are siblings and her friends seem to enjoy it also. Now, we have an added complication where my wife and myself lost a child to a fatal fetal anoma- uh, anomaly five years uh, before our five-year-old was born. We had travelled to the UK for an induced birth, so we don't have any mementos from her very short time. Should we explain this to her daughter that she had an older sister, but not anymore? We're unsure how to approach it. My wife and myself always remember our older daughter's birthday, but we haven't shared that our shared that with our youngest daughter. She is aware of death as both her grandmothers have passed away and we talk about them regularly. We're starting to think we should explain this sooner rather than mm, later. What I mean, there's think? so much in this, there's isn't there? Lot. I mean, first yeah. of all, I'm so sorry that to these parents that you had this really awful experience um, before you had your daughter. And there's a couple of things. For, I'm going to start with what you tell her and then maybe look at what she's playing. Whether you tell her about her deceased sibling, the child that you had before um, she was born is a very personal choice. So I'm not going to sit here and say there is a right or a wrong mm. way because there isn't. Equally, someone could be listening going, I don't intend to ever tell my children that we had that experience. And that's also OK. So it's very much about what's going to work for you as a family. It's a personal choice. There isn't a right or wrong. If you do choose to tell her, and I feel and it could be my inference here that there is a leaning in this letter that you would like to tell her that this is something you actually intend to tell her at some point. It is something you want to involve her in. Whenever you tell her, be it now, be it in a year, be it in two years, whenever, be clear, be concise, be factual, be clear in the language you use. Don't do things like we lost a baby Mm. or just because it's too ambivalent for young children because they'll think, what do you mean lost? Shouldn't we be out looking and finding? So you... To do it in that way, you have to at least have sat down together and trialed that conversation. How is it going to sound? You might have it in your head, but it's different when you're speaking it out loud. Speak it out loud to each other how you want to speak this. Also be aware, and she sounds like a very sociable, engaged little girl, that she, once she knows, she may well want to share that information with Mm. her friends who have siblings by saying, you know what, I do too, but mine and share that story. So again, just that's not necessarily a bad thing, by the way, but be mindful that what you tell her 
may well be told to others, sure. particularly at five years old, because it's going to be very hard for her to understand whether or not you want that outside of the family. If you want to keep that in your family, I would say consider five years old as maybe a little too young to ask her to do that. I do think, though, and I want to flag this, that knowing that she's had a sibling that she never got to meet and a sibling who died and that you've had that experience isn't going to stop the games she's playing with the imaginary siblings. It's not. You know, you could actually have other children and she would still play at imaginary okay. siblings who are better than the ones she has. Right. They I can imagine the they'd be better. Because right. in the imaginary play, she's getting to control how those imaginary siblings play with her and interact with her. her They don't and she's in control and they don't challenge her and they don't push her. So she would still do this. And at her age, she's doing beautiful, rich, wonderful imaginary play and putting into her friendships this added piece of you're not just my friend, you're my sister is a way of playing out in role. What would it be like if we were sisters? But again, it's from that very much glass half full perspective of siblinghood, you know, which people who have siblings will know that's not always the way it goes in play. No, no. It isn't. So she's still, so don't read her play as evidence. Oh gosh, we must tell her this. Right. If you want to tell her, that's what you're doing. You're telling her because you want to. Her play is beautiful. It is rich. It is normal. It is healthy and it has no bearing on it. I also and I often feel when this comes up, I I do this little defensive position um, for single children or only children. There is no research to say she will do better or worse because she doesn't have siblings in your family. You know, only children fare just as well sure. as, as other children. They might benefit from, you know, more play opportunities with peers, but it sounds like she's got lots of this. She sounds very lucky to have playful parents who are happy to join in these role plays with her. It sounds like she's doing really well. So I think, you know, given you do celebrate and commemorate your first daughter's birthday, I think it would be really nice to include her in this. It's about when you sure. choose to do that making sure your language is very clear, very unambiguous and that you leave space for her to ponder on it. So it's not a one-off conversation. You give a little, let's see how that sits, let her ask questions and at five years old it could take a week or so for her to come back with questions and you check in again. How is that sitting with you and can we have a little bit more information? You'll grow that conversation as she grows up anyway. Sure. They probably have their own need as well, do they, to include... I think so. And I totally understand that, you know, I think. And that's very valid. You know, it doesn't need to be for her sake. It's okay if you're motivated to tell her for your sake and for your sake as a family. Absolutely. It's just about minding all of you in that conversation. Okay. Um, 53106 for your texts or afternoon at newstalk.com for your emails. On to this one now. How do I tell my extremely sensitive six-year-old that her much-loved granny and granddad are separating and will now live in different houses? All my instincts were telling me to wait, which I did through the Christmas holidays. We pretended nothing had happened. Now, how do I explain it when everything looked fine that last few weeks? Yeah, I'm going to be back to my clear, concise, factual tell a little, see how it sits and revisit the conversation. But before I even go into that, Tom, I just think there's so much in this short letter that my first instinct is, you know, to this parent, how are you doing with the fact that your parents are separating? I know the focus is on your six-year-old and her grandparents, but how are you with it first? Because I really think you need to ensure that you've taken time, space and support 
to work through your own feelings about it because I can only imagine the effort to sustain this everything's Mm. fine veneer for Christmas, which so many of us do in so many ways in pursuit of this perfect happy Christmas for everybody, whatever that means for all of us. everything until Christmas is over. Christmas is the milestone. (laughs) But I I don't think you need to go, look, we we wanted a happy Christmas. That's why we waited a few weeks. That's not going to matter to your six-year-old. But just make sure that you mind yourself in it. And again, when you talk to her, be factual and concise. And it may be, and don't hear this as a script, but something along the lines of, you know, nanny and granddad have decided to live in different houses now. Their feelings have changed. They realise that they get along better not living together anymore. But their feelings for us, for me, for you, that will never change. They love us just the same and we'll see them just as we always have. But we will be seeing them in different houses now. Right. Um, I kind of minimising that it's just in different houses, is it? that they'll still be in your lives. You Ex- know? When they will. I, yeah, ass- of course, I assume yeah. they oh, st- no. you know, yeah. that won't change. It's that you will be visiting them in different houses and you do want to get in there that they have decided to live apart and live in different houses. There's not that we will see them in different houses. You want to get in there, they're living in different houses because you want to get in the permanence of that. Sure. And not that, oh, well, just for a while, is it? Yeah. Because you're only going to have to come back to that conversation. Equally, and we don't know from this letter, maybe one of them has another relationship or both, or maybe one or other or both will have other relationships. So again, it's a conversation you will return to. But I think initially, giving a little bit of factual information And just working through with your child. And that doesn't mean that you jump in because when you have a sensitive child, they do feel things deeper. They tend to feel the subtext of your conversation. They're like, but what does that mean? Right. And if their feelings could change for each other, could someone else's, could my parents feeling, they tend to take it that step further a little quicker. And that can make us quite hesitant about, oh, I'm just avoiding bringing this up because I don't have it in me right now to have that conversation, which is why I would flag first, take care of yourself and make sure you're in as strong a place as you can to have that conversation. It is okay to say, that's enough talk about it for now, but we can talk about it again and you can revisit it. Okay, very good. 5306 for your text. Bit of reaction on um, the other child and whether to talk about the older sister. When my daughter was about seven, we told her Mm -hmm. she had a sister who died in mummy's belly a year before she was born. When a doctor or adult would ask her if she had brothers or sisters, she would say, I had a brother and an older sister who died. God, so she took it on board, didn't and she? And children do, yeah. and they do, and they do have. And I know in this letter they said, you know, she understands death because sadly both her grandmothers have passed away. But children understand death even without experiencing loss, and it is uh, it is developing though. What you understand about death at five is very different to what you understand at nine. Mm. So just okay. be aware of that. That will grow, sure. that understanding. Okay. Um, two-year-old hitting our baby brother and mother. My word, my two-year-old is very loving towards her three-month-old brother. When he cries, she says, I have to hold him, cuddle him or kiss him. She changes her baby's nappy when I change his and she loves playing and spending time with him. I still breastfeed her on request. If she requests it while I'm feeding her brother, I will let her have a limited amount. She understands that he can't eat food and needs more breastfeeding and she would bring it up while she is eating and while he is feeding. However, sometimes while I'm feeding, um, she will come up and slap him or even gouge his eyes. While she is playing with him, she might knee him by mistake. I tell her to be gentle and she will then intentionally knee him again while smiling and looking at me. (laughs) 
if I'm cuddling the baby, she will say, JJ from Cocomelon pushed me. I need a hug. While she is fake crying, which I always give her. Also, recently, she started to punch and squeeze my face. She doesn't do this to my husband or to the baby if he is looking after him. We have told her that uh, we do not hit and it hurts, but she is continuing to do it. What can we do to stop her from hitting her brother? And I find the idea of her um, kneeing the other child while smiling and looking at you very disconcerting. I won't lie to you on it. But you know, Tom, it's it's interesting and I, I don't like It's not funny, but I'm smiling because when we say to children, be gentle when they've hit, it's a little bit vague. Do you mean hit gently? Yes. Because now I'm going to knee him with a smile and go doing it gently. You know, children are very literal and concrete at that age. So it might be don't hit. Right. And take her little hand in yours, making sure your hand is controlling as you model a soft, gentle touch, which I'm now doing and nobody can see me doing it. But you know, yeah, you know, so that you model with her hand as opposed to just instructing, because it sounds to me that she followed up with a gentle knee compared to the first knee she gave him. It's very You literal. don't want her to knee. No, so it's you very, have to very say, literal. Do that's why she's smiling. It's not an sibling. evil thing. Exactly. It's not Damien Omen 3 or anything like that's that. That's exactly just... it. I don't think anything she's doing is with the intention of hurting him. That's not her motivation. Cause and effect thinking is really underdeveloped at this age. It takes until certainly the developmental age of four before they go, oh, if I kick, they cry. I'm responsible for the cry because I gave the kick. At this age, it's I kick, I hurt, I hit because I have a feeling. It's very much about me. And this is very new in her world. She has a sibling for three months and she's only two. She's she's a lot to take on board. It's a lot. And she's doing really well. She is doing well. And this parent is doing really well. You're doing the, she has her little baby. She's mirroring what you're doing. You're involving her in the feeding. It's very inclusive. You're responsive to her creative efforts to say, but I need care too because this fictional TV character has hurt me. She's very smart, but children can be cognitively smarter too and they can be emotionally still very much too. Right. And so you get that difference between how I think and how I feel. I I, I mean, look, while it sounds like you're doing really, really well, I think you have to be clear with her. You cannot squeeze my face, but you can squeeze this ball. Get one of those um, sponge ball things. Yeah. You can squeeze the ball. You can squeeze some Play-Doh. Tell her what she can do rather than just what she cannot do. You cannot hurt the baby, but you can stroke his cheek. He loves that. You can sing him a lullaby. He loves that. Make sure with all of what's going on and bear in mind you have a three month old baby. So let's tag in a few helpful relatives or friends who say, let me know if I can give you a hand. Go back to them and say, yeah, you can give me a hand. I need something. Um, Make sure you're doing kind of push, pull, fall over, pull up type games. You know, like tug of war, slippery slip. We're standing, we're falling. A lot of that input for her will be very good. Increase her sensory play. Do a bit of impulse control. She's only two. Manage your expectations. But go stop, go stop. That type of play can be very good at slowing down those impulses and making sure the outdoor play. And again, because you have a three month old, you might be in that cocooning stage of that so-called fourth trimester, not quite out and about as much very cold, a lot of bugs out there. If you have a newborn, you might be well placed not to be out too much, but get some outdoor play with whoever can help you with that because she needs to burn off some of those physical body impulses so she's not taking those in home right. with her. So very clear kind of advice Absolutely, about that. Absolutely, yeah. By not an exorcism, which it, it did seem. Not at all. And two-year-olds uh, hit as a form of communication. It's what yeah, they do. Okay.
That's very reassuring. Um, so very quickly, my niece has been experiencing some behavioural issues, uh, especially with lying. She's been living with her granny, my mum and me all her life, with us raising her as normally as we could. Her parents have not always been a constant in her life. But for the last two years, her dad, my brother, has been living with us. My niece recently lied about her teacher not correcting uh, mean behaviour towards her in her class. Almost a week later, she was found out and we learned it was not true. We were all shocked as all the lies before this were more minor. In the past, she has made comments that me and her don't play together or spend that much time together. Uh, This is partly true as I've taken a huge step backwards as her father is there now. But are the lies my fault and how we all raised her? How can I help her? It's not about fault at all. But as much as in this letter, I feel there's just as much not in it. Like we don't know how old this child is, but during early and up to and including middle childhood, so right the way up to kind of nine, ten years old, children lie. They they do it developmentally and learning how to tell a lie is as developmentally important as learning to tell the truth. And initially when they lie, they tell on themselves, like they tell these glaringly obvious lies. It takes years to refine a lie to the point that this little girl's my inference is she may be about the eight, nine, where she can tell something and convince people of what she's saying. So it's for me, the fact that children tell lies not so much a worry. It's what they're lying about. Is there a pattern? Is there an escalation in the content? And when they are confronted with the truth, do they dig deeper into the lie or are they able to tell the story around the lie? Well, the reason I told that, I'm struck it was about, you know, a teacher didn't correct mean behaviour towards her in her class. I'm wondering, and I I find myself curious, was she happy with the teacher's response? If the teacher scolded another child for being mean to her, was that enough for her? Did she actually feel, no, I don't feel that was dealt with? Mm. Is there some truth in her lie is what I'm wondering? And can that be explored? There's been a huge change in this little girl's life in the last two years with her dad coming back in and her aunt, who has been a key parental role and caregiver in her life, stepping back to allow that relationship with dad to develop. And I suppose I'm wondering, due to his previous inconsistency, can she trust him? So might it be scary for her to see the reliable relationship step back so the unreliable, unpredictable, evolving relationship is the one she has to depend on? That might be scary. And out of a place of fear and anxiety, we can develop strategies to express that which could include lying. I'm also curious, Tom, does this little girl know the story behind her care arrangements? Like, does she know why mum and dad were not consistently in her life and she lived with granny and auntie? And that doesn't mean her care wasn't perfectly adequate. It may mean that she just doesn't know why is it that my family is structured this way. I'd say to her friends' families, Yeah, and I suppose as they get older, you know, initially in young childhood, we might take certain details out as a way of protecting them that maybe need to be revisited. I think you need to approach this with care. We're worried that you felt you had to do this. You can always tell or ask us anything. Do you know something we haven't spoken about in a long time is all the changes that have been going on. Let's do that. I think come at her with care, empathy and kindness for now and keep an eye on it. Great stuff. Joanna, thank you very much as always. Um, A listener is recommending a book, a beautiful book by Siobhan Parkinson, written from her own experience giving birth to a stillborn child. Very suitable introduction. It's a beautiful Um, book. I have it myself. uh, All is shining in the spring. It's beautiful. Uh, Joanna, thank you very much. And as always, if you have questions, 53106, the text number or email to afternoon at newstalk.com. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m.
on News Talk.